And, and college you are life. listening to Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Every Wednesday from 10 until noon, we are grateful for your listening audience to be here with us. And this particular week, we are focused on something in theology that we call apologetics. Apologetics is simply a defense, a reasoned understanding of something. And when we talk about defense of something, we could be talking about whether or not I like strawberry or blackberry jam or whether or not you think the Colts are going to be the best team this next year. Anyway, we are defending those kinds of things, uh, whatever our point of view might be. From a Christian vantage point, when we talk about Christian apologetics, we are talking about defending Christianity. Not as if this needs to be defended, but we have the responsibility to give an answer to everybody who asks us the hope which is in us and that uh, statement comes out of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. This is an important uh, discussion today because in our second hour, we are welcoming Andy Folan. Andy Folan is a part of the Radio Christi group at the campus of IUPUI with a number of other great uh, groups that we work with there, um, along with the Cominius Institute, Crew, Campus Outreach, Impact, and others. We are all getting together and promoting and highlighting this great event that's taking place tomorrow on campus, multiple venues at 2.30 at the campus of IUPOI. We are listening to uh, Dr. Gary Habermas answer questions, and you can bring any question you would like. And if you're interested in uh, tagging along with us in that endeavor, just shoot me a message, uh, shoot me a Facebook notice, whatever, uh, to get in touch with me, and we will make sure that you have all the scheduling uh, that you need. The second event is actually just for professors. At 4.30 in the afternoon, professors from IUPY and elsewhere are invited to hear Dr. Habermas uh, interact with the issues of the resurrection, and so that that is the principal focus of his work. He is a distinguished professor at Liberty University, and at Liberty University, he has focused his attention on the issue of apologetics, defense of the faith. And this is what we are all about here today. And then at 7.30 tomorrow night, we are going to be uh, engaged again by Dr. Habermas as he deals again with the issue of the historicity of the resurrection. The importance of this for the Christian is uh, without question, uh, because without the resurrection, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are all, of all men, most miserable. He actually gives seven reasons for our misery there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is such an important issue as it relates to uh, the Christian uh, view of life and things that we are all dependent upon it. If there is no resurrection, there is no real reason for the crucifixion. And if there is no crucifixion, there is no salvation. There is no sacrifice for sin. And if there is no sacrifice for sin, there is no hope. Those are some of the reasons, actually, that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 15 for the importance of the resurrection. Beyond all of that, of course, we have the responsibility to actually give this good word to others, and that's our responsibility at IUPUI. We are doing that with folks uh, not only there on campus, but elsewhere. We are engaging students at that particular campus uh, from a Christian vantage point. I actually have a meeting with a couple of students after class today. I'm actually taking a class as well at IUPUI so I can stay up with what's going on on campus. I meet all kinds of faculty there. Um, the brilliant professor that I have in my uh, course, Civil War Literature and Culture, uh, Dr. Jane Schultz, 
uh, fantastic professor. Uh, just met Jeffrey Nelson uh, the other day, a uh, great man, uh, great uh, teacher of writing. Uh, Steve Fox, another great professor, uh, really happy to have had him uh, as a prof this last summer in a writing course. I could go on and on. I have great interaction with students uh, on the campus. We've got some great uh, statements that have come from them this week. If you're at all interested, go to my Facebook page. Uh, Polly, Polly Riddell has uh, written a really nice story about me. Uh, just go to uh, storyteller.net. That's storyteller.net. And on that particular story, you can see uh, kind of a basic storylines from at least three different students that I work with on campus and from their perspective uh, how they interact with uh, what is going on on campus and how we uh, talk with them and help them along in the various uh, concerns that they have. And actually yesterday I was on uh, Moody Radio and uh, answering questions with uh, Kelly Thompson there at Moody Radio and we were talking about this issue of apologetics. And one of the concerns, of course, that we have is uh, answering questions and being with students and engaging them uh, in the needs that they have on campus. But let me just tell you that, uh, and I wrote about this, by the way, on my website this week, warpandwoof.org. That's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F dot O-R-G. And on that particular story, I give three episodes that happened this last week on campus just to let people know what's going on. And in one of those particular episodes... Uh, one of the students uh, came to me and said, you know, uh, I was in a course uh, this last uh, week uh, in a world literature or world language course, I should say, and uh, they were discussing the story of Adam and Eve. I guess in this particular language course they are dealing with all kinds of issues as it relates to uh, Adam and Eve and other readings that they do throughout the semester. Well, in this particular case, the professor spent a whole hour uh, denigrating the Bible, uh, denigrating Christianity, uh, calling into question uh, its, uh, the story, the original story of Adam and Eve, uh, saying that it was a sexist story, that this particular uh, event was one that showed women to be uh, the origin of evil, and I could go on and on and on. In another course, this same young woman was telling me about uh, she had a visiting professor who was dropping F-bombs all over the place uh, in this particular course, very unprofessional as a professor, uh, going off again uh, how, about how bad uh, the Christian view of life and things is. So if anybody is at all interested and wonder why in the world would you spend time with young people on the campus of IU with PUI, let me tell you that there is very good reason. Not only are these kinds of stories that I'm suggesting to you this morning uh, happening, but other stories where students are actually being confronted by different points of view than perhaps they've ever heard before, which is good and right and proper, especially in higher education. But because students are often not given all sides of the story that don't have or, or don't engage a Christian view. And so, of course, somebody like myself coming on campus, uh, sitting down with them, uh, answering their questions, is a real benefit to them and a real comfort to them because there's actually somebody who can address those questions, be concerned about those kinds of things. Uh, we are always uh, interested and on target with what it is that our students are confronted with on a daily and weekly basis. So uh, I should tell you that along the way, uh, as we're discussing what the work that we do at Cominius, uh, one of the things that's going to be really important and one that I would ask you all to grab your calendars right now and look at May 18th. 
and kind of set aside May 18th uh, from 6 to 9 o'clock, we are going to be having a fundraiser here at Collaborate 317, this great facility uh, where I'm speaking from right now. I and my producer, H.B. Bell, and Dr. Clyde Posley soon to join us. Uh, these are, uh, this is going to be a great event where we actually target what we do at Comenius, tell everybody about these things. It's a sustainable development fundraiser. We want to raise money for the future for this organization uh, so that we can see our way clear to continue to engage students uh, at IUPUI and perhaps elsewhere. But certainly along the way, we are doing all other kinds of things. Uh, we cross three bridges at Comenius, one of which I've been mentioning here for the last few minutes, the bridge into college, that is helping Christian young people on a campus like IUPUI to help them to think Christianly about what it is that they're hearing on campus. The second bridge that we cross is the bridge into the community. And this bridge into the community is investing in finding all of the good things that Christians are doing, Christian ministries around Indianapolis, and it's all based on Titus 3, do good, do good, do good. And we're focused on that with special emphasis, I ought to add, always on bringing black and white leaders together. And the third bridge that we cross is this bridge into culture. So how do we understand and think through, through uh, from a Christian vantage point, all of the different things that we are engaging in culture? And that's the reason why uh, Warp and Woof exists. Warp and Woof is the vertical horizontal threads that make up fabric. And this fabric is based on Colossians 1.17, by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. And this is a crucial concern for us as we think about the coherence of a Christian view of what we do. And so the emphasis uh, there at Warp and Woof is just that. And I have over 600 essays on that particular website. There are all kinds of video uploads, podcasts, sermons. Uh, you can get all kinds of information, all free there. Uh, I highly recommend that you go check some of those things out. And then, of course, at the Cominius Institute website, that's cominiusinstitute.org or .com, uh, again, there are all kinds of ideas there uh, that would be of help to you. The podcast, for instance, from this particular program will be up there as it is at Warp and Woof later on today. Uh, we are always interested in uh, engaging all different kinds of things, and so we are uh, always pleased to be able to give back to the community in this way. And in this particular case, our focus today uh, is going to be on apologetics. Just before we get to a break, Dr. Clyde Posley, how are you today? Splendid. Splendid, my friend. How are you? Hello, everyone. Good to see Good to see you today. Made it through the raindrops okay. Yes, yes. yes. For those of you who are in Indianapolis, uh, it's <laughs> raining pretty bad out there right now. and we After are being 80 yesterday. Yeah, after yeah. being 80. Yeah. Yeah, these uh, temperature swings are quite something. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to take a one-song break. We'll be right back to engage uh, the topic of apologetics, how to defend the Christian faith uh, from a biblical vantage point. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. If you miss us live, you're going to catch us on the podcast. On the flip side of all of this, we are discussing a very important topic today, uh, one that Dr. Clyde Posley and I are fully committed to, and that is the historicity of the Christian message. Uh, so, uh, Clyde, let's uh, start off with something uh, just general for everybody. Uh, what is Christian apologetics, and why is it important for the church? Christian apologetics, as they taught both you and I in seminary, is the, is the systematic defense, scriptural defense of the Christian faith, of uh, the gospel, and all of the tenets 
or tentacles, if you would, that 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 stem from uh, a confessed hope in Christ Jesus. Uh, it is it is a it is not only an intellect uh, uh, an anthropological um, um, uh, journey, but it's also an academic journey. But it, it is it is a spiritual warfare journey, experiential journey uh, to some extent, mm-hmm. because as as I'm sure we'll discuss today, there's a there's an expression of experientialism that is mm-hmm. runs counterproductive to uh, defending Christian faith. Yes. So, but um, it, it is it is to not only live out the Christian faith, but to live it out in a manner so as to contend mm-hmm. for its 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 viability mm-hmm. in in a culture that, where 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 we presuppose where we predetermine that it's fallen. Mm-hmm. And this fallen uh, culture that we're in obviously is uh, quite antithetic to the Christian view of life and things. Exactly. Uh, it's one of the re- reasons why I spend time on the campus of IUPUI with students uh, and the stories that I was telling this week on my essay, for instance, at Warp and Woof, as well as some of the things I was just mentioning here before uh, we came, we, before we took our first break, mm-hmm. really uh, paramount that we spend time uh, academically. So for you and I, folks like you and myself, it's really important that we spend time in study, in reflection, in research, writing, uh, thinking, and then, of course, speaking all of these things. So let's go back to the issue of the historicity of this event. Later on, Andy Folan will be here from Radio Christi. We're having Dr. Mm-hmm. Habermas in from Liberty University uh, talking about the historicity of the resurrection tomorrow on campus. So let's talk about why the historicity of the resurrection or the event of Jesus coming to earth is so imperative for the Christian. Well, it, it, it is imperative for the Christian because all of our hope to have a relationship with G, with God rest on the work of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. works on the deity rest on the deity of Jesus Christ. And it also works on the, the actuality mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Um, God is holy and without blemish. Mm-hmm. And he cannot be in relationship with unholy, blemished, sinful uh, people, which is all of us mm-hmm. who who come here with a sin nature and thus sin debt. Yeah. God cannot be in relationship uh, with that person, and, and and unless there is some means by which uh, that human can be put in a position uh, to be. Uh, in, a, in a in a relationship with a holy God, which means they have to somehow mm-hmm. go through the salvation process of, of of awareness, sanctification, redemption, and therefore God uh, can commune with 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 them with humanity. So uh, the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ not just not not just uh, the prof- the prophecy of Jesus, but the actual acts of Dying on the cross for our sins, mm-hmm. and and there's a whole lot we can get into about the seven times where places where he shed blood and and all of how that go the veil in the temple. We'll talk about. I'm sure we we'll talk about all those things, but but the act, the most important, in my opinion, the most important act of um, of uh, event in humanity was the one event that uh, event that opens the door to access to God. And that is the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Not just the death, not just the burial, not just the, the resurrection, 
but the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then and then the willingness to believe and accept mm -hmm. that that is payment mm -hmm. to God mm -hmm. and removes our sins mm -hmm. and thus giving us access to that holy God. And bookended by his first and second coming. Absolutely. So these are, we're talking about the history of these events. When you, as you were talking, I was thinking about what Paul was t uh, saying to folks like Festus and Felix, uh, these Roman uh, governor types in uh, the book of Acts. And I'm reminded of Acts chapter 26 where Paul is actually giving his testimony. And he says, uh, he, he gives a fourfold overview of why the resurrection is important. But he ends with this great line. He says, and you all know mm -hmm. that this was not done in a corner. Mm -hmm. This right. was Absolutely. done right out there in the open. Absolutely. There, there, this was not behind closed doors. This was not behind door number three. Right. This was an event for everybody to have seen. So if you wanted to call into question this event, you could have had Roman soldiers lining up. You could That's have right. had any number of Pharisees lining up. You could have put this thing down. I mean, bam, just right. like that. Right. But everybody knew. Right. Everybody. Every, everybody knew, and 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 Satan knows, mm -hmm. and Satan knows, and and all in one way or another, in, in in various methods, Satan had zero has zeroed his efforts in on creating enemies to the cross, mm -hmm. enemies to the re, the reality of the cross, and enemies to the validity of the cross. You know, it, it, you know, and 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 creating skepticism. Mm -hmm. And about the cross, yes. but but there is nothing more important. I want to reiterate: no, it, it is uh, the most important um, event in history for a couple of reasons. Not just because what I said earlier, how it is the access, it is the door, it is the redemptive moment that we that we have, but also it, it is the moment that that uh, uh, with which everyone must contend. Mm. And what I mean by that is, even if a person is not a believer, you've got to decide to, to, to I see you, uh, the audience can't see you nodding, but, 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 but you've got to decide what to do with the cross. That's right. <laughs> it happened. Yep. It happened. That's right. You've got to decide what you're going to do with the cross. You, you be, you, you be, you be agnostic. You, 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 you be a skeptic. You, 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 you be, you be stoic as, as they were. Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever your perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, you be, uh, a, a Satanist. Yep. Whatever you, or an atheist. Mm -hmm. You've got to decide. Mm -hmm. You can't even practice whatever that is you believe yep. until you decide what your, what your position is going to be yep. about an event. Yeah. That is that is so preeminent in everything that we do. And here's the, the tagline for for a preachment that I did at one point uh, in last year. I said, "Either you're for him or you're against him," and that, that's the bottom line, man. That is, that's, it's pro. But you've got to contend with that's he, it. He, he's here. There's no middle. Yeah, line. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I say he's here, I mean that the event happened. Yeah. You know. And so yeah, there, there's no middle now. But 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 Paul was constantly uh, the the work of uh, our apostle, the apostle to the Gentile. Um, was was in, in arguably one career of def traveling defense mm. for Christ mm -hmm. and the reality of Christ mm -hmm. and 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 Paul uh, and and Paul's um, bold willingness or performance of living out mm. the dying and resurrection of Christ. This is a powerful uh, statement that you're making here, one that we talked about in the first uh, 10 minutes or so. We, I kind of explained uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 mm -hmm. to everybody. 
But then as you were talking, I'm smiling also because I'm thinking about what you say about Paul. And I'm reading now from Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There's what you've been talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I was speaking just a second ago, I have Philippians chapter 3 on my mind. Paul goes on later on to say, and he's doing all of that. Is, is what he feels is necessary to keep his eye mm-hmm. on the prize. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to contend for the Christian faith, we have to know that the prize is not that we, um, that we are celebrated, but mm-hmm. that we live lifestyles mm-hmm. that points yes. to, to, to Christ there it is. And, and, and to God. Right. Uh, when he says, let your light so shine in, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, or around verse 14, he, he means, he goes on to say uh, that men see your good works, mm-hmm. but that they glorify your Father which is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it is not possible, and I, I truly believe this, to, to say I am contending for the faith without performing faith. Mm-hmm. And there must be a continuation of intellectual assent and the academic credibility to the actual personal commitment Absolutely. of this. Yeah. All three of those things are faith commitments right. to us. Uh, let me just read these uh, lines that you were mentioning a moment ago from Philippians 3. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, this is an important line uh, as we think about what it is that uh, we're responsible for so that when people see our resurrected lives, as it were, that's what attracts them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's Jesus is the one attracting others through us. Right. We, we, we are, and, 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 I, and I hope this, you know, for our listeners and, and as, we, as the podcast goes on, you know, on, on our media outlets, I want, I want to make a statement that I hope it helps us all become a little more sober in our thinking about this. We are, the, the church is, we are the stewards mm-hmm. of the gospel. Mm-hmm. What the world knows of the gospel, mm-hmm. they only know from us. There it is. Yep. That's right. From, from a, pra- a pragmatic perspective, they only know what they see. Mm-hmm. But as, you know, as, 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 as uh, people who are attempting to be scholars, people who, who want to be intellectuals, mm-hmm. who, who consider, who want to rightly divide the scripture, as 2 Timothy 2.15 says, we are, we have to be careful. And I don't mean careful in the sense of fearful, but we have to be meticulous mm-hmm. about how we apply scripture. That's right. You know, because, you know, pe- people, and I really believe this, uh, uh, Dr. Echoes, really people who are enemies of the Bible or, or the authority of scripture, they're really not so much enemies of the scripture as they are enemies to the cross. Mm. What they're really after is to try to invalidate there it is. the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. because that is the centerpiece. Mm. And, and that's, that's the end of really uh, what we're all about here. We're uh, emphasizing absolutely. That, that today. We're going to be taking a, a one-song break here, but when we come back, uh, we're going to be discussing more about apologetics and specifically how the apologetics of the gospel actually attracts people uh, to think differently as Christians, but then, of course, attracts people to the gospel itself. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site here at Collaborate 317. 
a fantastic facility for uh, our nonprofits together. There are 50 of us under one roof here. And just to repeat what I said in the first segment, that is we are looking forward to May 18th. Mark it down on your calendars, May 18th from 6 to 9 o'clock where we are going to be uh, doing a sustainable development fundraiser for the Cominius Institute so that we can continue our good work on the radio, but also our connections with people around the community in Indianapolis, as well as our work at IUPUI. In this segment, we wanted to continue our discussion uh, in our emphasis of the day, which is on apologetics. And specifically, we've been talking about the resurrection and the importance of the resurrection, how it changes us. I guess uh, the question, Clyde, to ask is, how are we going to communicate this message in a way that people will hear us in in this particular culture today? That, that, that's a, <clears throat> it's a major task. I know we talk a lot about it today. But, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that we need to do is try, try to narrow, um, you know, our approach down uh, in, in terms of how we explain the gospel to people. Mm. Uh, you know, I say that because so many people are often uh, in an attempt to try to use their testimony, mm-hmm. tell people things that they may, may, may very well be true, but they they are too far from the essential core yes. uh, that people need to understand. There are two things involved in uh, helping people understand uh, the gospel, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection, in my opinion. God and the sin of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. And and the connective tissue between God and the sin of man mm-hmm. is the death, is the coming of Christ, the death, burial, resurrection, and Him as perpetuation for our sins. Mm-hmm. When you when we get too far from that, Mark, mm-hmm. we 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 have to then also explain how the experience. Uh, the components of our testimony mm-hmm. fit into, which takes away from the truth of the matter uh, and the simplicity of the matter. Mm-hmm. God loves you mm-hmm. in terms of being simple. Mm-hmm. God loves you. We were all born sinners. There it is. And yeah. all of us were born with the same amount of sin problem, mm-hmm. uh, uh, period. Mm-hmm. And and there's God does one thing mm-hmm. about that sin problem. Mm-hmm. He sent his son because he so loved the whole world. And he and that verse goes on in John three sixteen to say he sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm-hmm. So I think in answer to your question, and I, and I certainly want to hear what you have to say about it as well. I think in answer to your question, the, the, we we should keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Defending the faith starts with yeah, we, we're going to have an intellectual on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I have gone to seminary, but uh, some of our listeners may not. Some people here in the broadcast may not. Keep it simple. Yeah. God loves you there it is. just like you are, despite mm-hmm. what you are. Yep. Well, how we, and what I say by what you are is what your, what your habits, what your tendencies are. You, you're not, you don't do those tendencies because you're, you are uh, bad. Mm-hmm. You do those tendencies because we have a sin debt, mm-hmm. and those tendencies are the result of that sin debt. Mm-hmm. And so we all have the exact same problem when we're born here. So it doesn't matter what color our skin is, what doesn't language matter. we speak, where, where we're you were from. born, exactly. It doesn't matter. No, we all come here with the exact, and every person. Abraham Lincoln came here with a sin debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Addis came here with a sin debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Augustine came born with a sin debt. Tertullian came born with a sin debt. Aristotle, Socrates, um, Joe the plumber, 
whoever. Every person's been born with, and God does the exact offers the exact same thing for every one of those persons, including you and you and I. That's right. And so we have to. And I think um, I think I want to throw this in. It's a good place to throw it in. One of the greatest workers in the kingdom of God in American history died today. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham. Yes, thanks for mentioning. Uh, one of the one, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest components of his life was the simplicity mm-hmm. of the gospel mm-hmm. that he preached. Yes. One of the things that uh, comes immediately to my mind, I'm sitting over here smiling when you're when you're over there talking, because I just keep thinking about this famous story in John chapter nine, the man born blind. Mm. You know that story. Talk about the simplicity of the gospel. Here are the wow. Pharisees; they're jumping all over this guy because you know he didn't say the right thing, he didn't do the right thing. Who is this Jesus? They go to his mom and dad. Go talk to our son. They go to the guy. And the guy says, look, man, and if you read between the lines, this is what I can imagine him saying. You know, y'all are supposed to be really smart and intellectual mm-hmm. and academic folks, you Pharisees. And all I have to say is once I was blind, That's but right. now I can see. Exactly. <laughs> Talk you know, about the simplicity of the gospel. Well, the audience can't see us, but and you could not have known this. But God knows I'm telling you the truth in my heart. Mm. I'm preaching that sermon Sunday morning. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Sunday morning. Sunday morning. I love it. And it son, that that is I'm preaching that I'm preaching from that text. See, Sunday this morning. is the reason why we're doing I'm this. Telling you, I'm telling you, sermon's already prepared. Um so so one of the things, you know, that you brought that up, one of the things that's so important is the man was uh was blind, as you know, but he wasn't deaf. Mm-hmm. He heard the apostles of the uh, disciples mm-hmm. walk up to him. And, 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 and ask these questions of, of Christ. You know, often some people stay in their condition. Christ is there to heal him. Mm-hmm. That, that's why he's, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. Christ is there to heal him. And he hears the people who are with Christ mm-hmm. trying to figure out why he has such a problem. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this story. You just know, cracking up. You know, why he, they're not talking about what we're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Let what's most important to the to the to the followers of Christ at that time yes. was how he could find himself in such a condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he? Did, was it him that sinned? Yeah. Was it his parents who sinned? And I love that those first couple of lines there in John chapter nine, where uh, Jesus says, uh, "It's none of that. Right. You know, that's not the issue here." Right. This was done so that God might be glorified. Right. And, oh, by the way, the same thing is said in chapter 11 about Lazarus. Exactly. Lazarus died so exactly. God might be glorified. Exactly. Exactly. That? Exactly. And, and so, you know, uh, those type of simplistic, exegetical uh, explanations. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I tell the preachers uh, that I'm privileged to, to oversee at my church, associate ministers in training mm-hmm. or in, in, in Bible college or seminary and what have you. The good meat makes its own gravy. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. You do not have to dress up the gospel. Mm-hmm. Establish proper homiletic uh, principles, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 but apply uh, uh, simple hermeneutic truths. Right. Pull them out. Lift them out. Because God, and God helps that. The great, I believe, uh, this, this is going to be on the edge. But I, I believe it's the truth. I believe the greatest gift that God gives to man, even before salvation, is revelation. Mm-hmm. Yep. The most, the greatest gift God gives to humanity mm-hmm. 
is re- you can't you can't understand the gospel yes. without revelation. There has to be a verbal revelation that somebody has read and then speaks. There has to be a physical revelation right. that is the person and work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you've got the revelation of Christians who mm-hmm. live all around. Right. And then you have the revelation of the Holy Spirit. John sixteen tells us that He is there to convince and convict, to guide into all truths, all of this. Right. And oh, by the way, there's creation. That's right. So we have evidence. This fivefold right. emphasis. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So so we 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 and so we so we need that. What the devil wants to do is cloud revelation. Mm. We talked about that a little bit you yeah, know, er, earlier. Mm-hmm. Satan is trying to create enemies to the cross by creating confusion, doubt, mm-hmm. skepticism, cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. He's, trying to, you know, he's trying to find a way mm-hmm. to make you see this, see my, my binder here, mm-hmm. and say, well, which is what he did with Eve. Yeah, we know, okay, I can see that, say Satan, that God say that, but is that what he really meant? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I need you to do. I need you to doubt what, what is, what is truth. Yes. And that, and so, uh, in, in, in a sense, the first assault on the people of God was on what God had said. Mm-hmm. We're talking about apologetics today. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the authority of scripture and what is the responsibility of human, of, of the Christian church. Mm-hmm. To, to be the stewards yes. of that revelation of, of, of the authority of Scripture, right. and and Satan uh, essentially has done the same thing. We talked about the historiography. Satan essentially has been doing the same thing for you. Did God really say that? Mm. Is that real? Mm-hmm. Eve, did he? I mean, you know, I was. I'm, I, are you sure that's what he said? <laughs> so, so right. yeah, we we have responsibility to uh, to be to, to be real. About uh, defending the faith, and, and, and as you, as you said, how we live, and be the protectors mm-hmm. of the gift yes. of revelation. One of the things that's true coming out of uh, what you're suggesting here about revelation is the verbal testimony that we are responsible to give to people. And mm-hmm. I'm reminded here of First Thessalonians uh, chapter one, where. Paul says to the Thessalonians, I don't even have to speak mm-hmm. because you have already spoken the gospel. So the responsibility of folks like you and I mm-hmm. is to train folks right. to go out and do what we're suggesting, and that right. is to tell other people about Jesus and live the life of the gospel through our lives. Right. Uh, but beyond that, then, uh, we should expect from those that we train that they're going and doing these things, and we don't have to go and replow new, that ground again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's right. The, the Christian witness, uh, the, the, the Christian verbal witness, is 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 such a powerful piece. It's such a powerful uh, tool mm-hmm. um, that I, I, I think if the kingdom of God again, I keep in my in my spirit, you know, I just the word simplicity mm-hmm. just keeps coming to mind. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and again, I don't want to be redundant, right? But 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 arguably. When it comes to just preaching the gospel, Billy Graham, and the last thing we could, we could ever technically do is count numbers. Is we don't know what you know, but Billy Graham's message—he preached one sermon <laughs> for for eight, uh, over eighty-five years. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Well, think about that. Yeah. None of us ever really heard Billy Graham preach anything but the message of the cross. Mm-hmm. And he's in stadiums, and there's 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 people coming to Christ 
a day. Mm. <laughs> a day. A day. <laughs> and and all he's preaching, I mean, I mean, I, imagine you're talking about an anointing on a man's life and a, an empowering on a man's life to, to for Satan to know. He's here Monday in in Boulder, Colorado, preaching this message. Mm. When he when when he he and his entourage or he and his people get to Iowa, going east, he's gonna preach the same message. Mm-hmm. And Satan was never able to stop that, <laughs> and he's preaching the same. And and we and and I know it's our job to explain. We all have work to do in the kingdom. So mm-hmm. you and I have our responsibilities. We're teachers. We, mm-hmm. we go about. But his was evangelism. Boy, he's an example that if you just do what you've been designed to do, God will grace that. Yes. This man was um, counsel to presidents, mm-hmm. um, uh, Chris Well, uh, you know, just, just had some tremendous relationships, you know, with people over the years. And uh, he used the gospel of Jesus Christ in a profound way, and, and he was very simplistic about it. And I, I think, uh, uh, you know, getting back to something you asked earlier, just if we could, when it comes to our testimony, just be simple. Mm-hmm. If I could just kind of lay this out in the most simple way. We keep using that word, but that's okay. The most simple way is to do what Jesus did and said, which is in John chapter 13, mm-hmm. everybody will know you're my disciples right. if you love one, one another. That's right. So how we treat each other in the church is the testimony before everybody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Now, I can love my neighbor who's not a believer. That's fine and good and my responsibility, and I'm all about that. But everybody's going to know that you're my disciple. That's right. That's right. And so if the church doesn't do its job as a whole, and that means churches around Indianapolis, that means you and I, that means everybody mm. who's a believer. That's right. We don't care enough to love one another. The gospel then is inhibited because of that. That is true. And and in that passage there, uh, John thirteen thirty five, he says he, he, there's also uh, an invitation to the world to look mm-hmm. and make a decision. That's right. About Christians, mm-hmm. Christ says, "Love you one." As you've said, Christ says, "Love you one another." And by this shall shall all men and know. No. Mm-hmm. So 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 we, we you know we have to be careful with this telling people don't judge us. All right. No no yeah don't condemn us mm-hmm. surely, but do do make decisions about watch this mark do make decisions about Christ mm-hmm. from watching us. That's right. There is a testimony that comes through our lives. That's right. We are going to be taking a two-song break here as we introduce our guest coming in uh, behind us uh, in the studio and looking forward to having Andy Folan here with us. We're going to take a two-song break and then a commercial and come back. And when we come back, we'll be discussing uh, the issue of the resurrection further with Andy Folan, who is from Radio Christi on the campus of IUPUI. Uh, he'll be talking about, we'll be discussing uh, the good and the great work of Dr. Gary Habermas a distinguished professor from Liberty University as he is going to come to campus tomorrow to discuss the importance of the historicity of the resurrection. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be back. This only. Okay. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And in studio with us right now is Andy Folan. Andy is from Radio Christie. Andy, we're really glad that you're here with us today. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, about the kinds of things that you do in and around Indianapolis. Well, thank you. It's uh, great to be with you. Um, a little about myself. Well, uh, I've been described as having the appearance of King Saul 
the comedic genius of Jim Carrey and the wisdom of Solomon. Thank you, Mom. But to, to the more to the more unbiased uh, perspective, uh, it's more like I have the uh, the wisdom of King Saul, <laughs> uh, the looks of Jim Carrey, and uh, the comedic touch of the writer of Ecclesiastes. So, uh, no, but I, I I'm a bond servant of Christ. That's who I am. Uh, that's I'm a bond servant of Christ, and I get to serve the Lord um, in a variety of ways. I have uh, three teenage children, uh, which is a tremendous blessing. A lot of people freak out about the idea of teenagers, but, uh, uh, man, I, that's the best thing you could have for your mm-hmm. spiritual walk because what do we desire more than anything? Communion with God. Mm-hmm. And what motivates you to pray more than three teenage children in your house? So oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a real blessing that they're terrific. Um, we go to Grace Fellowship Church in Avon, Indiana, uh, which is a tremendous body of believers and. They love the word and uh, love each other and live the word. And uh, of course, I work for Radio Christie, as you mentioned, uh, which means the reason of Christ. And it's a college uh, campus ministry. So I am a missionary campus apologist, I guess, would be the best way to describe what mm-hmm. I do uh, on campus and love love every bit of it. That's a great, uh, great opportunity. And, and uh you, as well as uh, I and a, a bunch of other folks here on campus uh, at IUPUI, have been uh, promoting an event that's going on here uh, this week. We uh, really across Indianapolis, as you've been telling me here just uh, during our break. Yes. Uh, kind of fill everybody in, would you, for uh, the sake of uh, uh, our listeners, so that they know what's going on in Indianapolis this week in apologetics. Well, we have a gold mine in our backyard this week. I mean, just imagine if if you could bring in an expert to talk about one issue, you pick it. One issue, what would it be? For me, it would be the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's get right to the heart of the gospel. And if I could pick one expert to come talk about that, I would pick Dr. Gary Habermas because he's devoted his career to studying that issue, the historical, the philosophical, the theological issues surrounding the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he's going to be here. He is here in Indianapolis this week. And so people have an opportunity to hear him. Uh, He'll be speaking at East 91st Street Christian Church tonight. Um, And that uh, he will be talking about the uh, issues of emotional doubt and how the resurrection plays into uh, the emotional doubts we wrestle with. Mm -hmm. Uh, People typically reject Christ for one of three reasons, intellectual reasons, emotional reasons, or volitional reasons, and emotional is a big part of that. They get angry with God, they're hurt, Um, but Dr. Habermas does a great job of speaking to that issue. So uh, that's one way people can hear him uh, is tonight at East 91st. That's the best way, I would say. But Dr. Habermas is also going to be speaking at uh, Butler tomorrow at IUPUI as well. Uh, tomorrow, several events laid out for students and faculty at IUPUI. He'll be giving evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, and uh, then he'll be at Purdue on Friday, and then again at East 91st Street. So if you can't catch him tonight, uh, go to the Sunday services at East 91st Street, um, and he'll be speaking again on uh, the resurrection. So, very excited to have him here. This is an opportunity that you do not want to miss. 
great stuff going on in Indianapolis. <laughs> Ab- ab- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I'm 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 sitting here trying to figure out how I can fit that into my schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. For it's, you busy pastors, man, yeah. this is yeah. tough stuff. Right. You, yeah. you got I, a meeting or two. Got to figure you out. You got to preach on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to find a way. We'll talk right. off 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 offset about that, but but that's no in any opportunity that we get uh, for uh, when God sends. Uh, his kingdom workers who specialize in a thing. We should take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. That's should, right. uh, black, white, it, it, it doesn't matter. The gospel is neither black nor white. We we, we need to get uh, exposed to a person that God has filled with what we talked about earlier, such revelation That's right. uh, b- about the centerpiece of our Christianity. Mm-hmm. And right. so we, we, I don't want to miss it. I'm good. I'm sitting here. I got my calendar out. I'm kind of looking uh, in my mind at least what uh, how I can fit that in. Yeah. This yeah. is a great opportunity. And, uh, Andy, why don't you take a minute just to tell folks about um, specifically uh, Radio Christi on the campus of IUPUI and then maybe kind of segue into the three events that we have going on down there tomorrow uh, with Dr. Haberman. Well, Radio Christi, so what we, what we try to do on campus is we set up apologetics clubs, uh, clubs that talk mm. about how to defend the Christian faith. So many students, as, as you know, uh, walk away from the church, uh, over 50%, according to most polls, walk away from the church when they go to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, equally frightening, many of them are not coming back to the church after school. And so this is a real problem, and uh, we want to be a solution to that. And we want to help students to, to understand why there are reasons to believe. And so we set up clubs, and we also try to host large events uh, like the one we're having with Dr. Habermas, so that the entire campus can hear about uh, uh, the Christian faith, why it's reasonable, uh, what the evidence is to support it. I don't know about you guys, but when I was in college, I started to doubt my faith, and I was stunned by the evidence. I'd never examined the evidence for Christianity until college, and it got challenged, and I was blown away. I had no idea there was all this this evidence that we have, but, we, but it's there, and we want to share it. So... Um, Tomorrow, the event with Dr. Habermas, we have three events. So at 2.30, he's going to be in the campus center, uh, just on the main floor, and it's an open Q&A. Anybody can come, any students can come, faculty can come, anybody can come and just talk to him, ask him whatever they want. He's, he not only has expertise on the resurrection, but uh, he's done a lot of work on uh, near-death experiences, uh, which is a, an interesting topic and uh, and one of some controversy even in the church. But he has a very interesting take on that. Um, uh, he's he's done a lot of work on historical Jesus research. You know what what evidence even outside the Bible do we have uh, that Jesus lived and and what what he taught and that kind of stuff. Uh, so lots of different areas uh, that we can we can talk to. Uh, so. Open Q&A uh, for an hour from 2.30 to 3.30. Then at 4.30, we're going to have a roundtable discussion with Dr. Habermas and the faculty and staff of IUPUI. Uh, we are committed not just to reaching students, but the teachers as well. Uh, you know, if you can win a student, uh, you've got them for four years. If you can win a professor, you've got them for 30 on that campus, and they're very influential, of course. And so we want to reach the professors as well. And so we're going to have a roundtable discussion. That should be fascinating. Uh, and then Dr. Habermas's main uh, presentation will be uh, at 730, uh, where he will be giving. That's from 730 to 9. He'll talk for about an hour, giving evidence for the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, 
what are the minimal facts that even non-believing atheist scholars agree this happened? And what are those facts? Well, it's amazing the case you can build for our faith just on those facts alone. And that's what he's going to talk about. And then there'll be time for Q&A after, afterwards as well. That's it. So, just tell us that's, one, th- one more thing about that event. Uh, where is that going to be located on campus? Uh, what specific building is that going to be at? That uh, event will be at uh, the Heron uh, School of Art in the auditorium there, uh, HR 101, I believe, right. is the, the, large is the room. Water- yes, yes, exactly. Very good. So it'll be there. Uh, you know, Clyde, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm thinking to myself, um, this is a, a great opportunity for Indianapolis. It's a great opportunity for individuals around Indianapolis, but it's a great opportunity for the church as a whole in Indianapolis. Absolutely. To yeah. hear this gospel presentation. Absolutely. One, one of the cornerstones of, of our collaboration here at our show is, is to point out what churches are doing and, and how churches can be helped mm-hmm. um, by working together. Uh, we've had some guests on dealing with uh, uh, mental health, uh, you know, feeding, you know, whatever the case. It, it would any pastor listening to uh, to us right now uh, should consider at least if he can't mm-hmm. get there, then they he ought to consider getting some of his leaders yes. there because yes. every church is strengthened yeah. from a stronger grasp and understanding of the of the resurrection mm-hmm. and to be able to defend uh, the, the the validity of the resurrection. I, I'm thinking I'm I'm going to make it to one of these, but I'm going to talk to some of my leadership, see what their, their availability is, because um, you know I, I don't want to I want to I want to keep my people. Merlin um, Gonzalez said something that's very important last week. Uh, we have people who work in ministries, but like such as feeding the hungry, mm-hmm. but they some of them don't realize that their number one job is to serve people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we give food, we give clothing. We give visits, mm-hmm. but we have to make sure that we are serving people. It's going to be difficult to really serve people properly without a clear understanding of the servant, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, himself, Jesus Christ, yes, right. and his lifestyle and, and the validity of who he is. Because uh, sometimes that gospel message, you get two minutes of that gospel mm-hmm. message, some of that evidence, some something, and not something necessarily biblical. Because mm-hmm. some people, you, you, as you know, and in, 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 in what you do, they don't know the Bible. Right. But they do, but trust evidence that's that's neutral. That's right. You know, which is the doctor you said, uh, Doctor Habermas is going to talk about tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. So that's that's huge. So when we are are committed to these kinds of uh, things, and one of the things that is so impactful for guys like you and I, we work on the campus of IUPUI, talking with students all the time. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, and I'm sure that other of these stories will pop up as we continue, mm. but uh, tell us a story uh, before we take a break here um, about a student, a situation, an opportunity that you've had on the campus uh, to do the work that you do of apologetics. Well, uh, boy, uh, a lot of good stories. The students are so great. My, one of my favorite stories was the first challenge that I ever received on campus. I was just starting Ratio Christi, and we would meet in the cafeteria. And so we'd finished a meeting, and a student came up to me. He'd obviously been overhearing our discussion, and he sat right down, and he just looked at me, and he said, all religion is poison. <laughs> and I thought, this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> I, you know, I was so excited that uh, because I thought, okay, he's got something to say. So I, I just said to him, well, that's a fascinating Position. How did you come to that conclusion? 
And that began a, a great dialogue. We spoke for over half an hour, and I invited him to come. I said, "You just, just come to the to Ratio Christi. We really want to be a safe space for students to meet and talk. It doesn't matter what you believe. You come. You present your argument." And and he did. And he came. And he uh, he came to the rest of the semester and and uh, was very impressed. Mm. Heard arguments he'd never heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for God's existence. So and one of the it's things that strikes me uh, as I hear uh, Andy say this, Clyde, is that all Andy did was ask a question. Simple. Doesn't that sound like we were talking That's simple right. first <laughs> yeah. first yeah. hour? Exactly. Just yeah. Keep it simple. We don't have to. You know, certainly there's a Dr. Habermas and, and, and intellectuals in this in this region, and everyone has their place. But in terms of the basics of apologetics, simple. Yep. Just come. Yeah. Let, let me right. talk to you, that's and I want to hear you too. You know that that's another part. As you that's know. right. I, I want. I want. I'm, I'm going to listen. That's right. Dialogue is listening as well. That's right. So. Um, yeah, it's about being able to love somebody. That's right. really what what the motivation behind right. it all is. Is I love you enough to hear you, right. regardless of what you believe. I'm willing to respect right. you and share what I believe uh, is true as well for you to consider, and then get out of the way. Let the Holy Spirit let do the, the Holy work, Spirit you know? do the work. Uh, so yeah, it, that's necessarily right. So Absolutely. we bear the responsibility. The results are God's. You are exactly. listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a short musical break. We'll be right back. We want to do that again. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. And today we are discussing the resurrection of Jesus. We're discussing apologetics. We're discussing with Andy Folan from Ratio Christi, all of these great uh, concerns that we have about uh, actually developing a defense, uh, a defense for the gospel, a commendation for the gospel. And one of the, th the great things that we have going on in Indianapolis this week is having Dr. Gary Habermas with us from uh, Liberty University, distinguished professor from there who is, whose expertise is in the resurrection of Jesus. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not uh, before, Andy, but uh, one of my students when I was teaching at Moody Bible Institute uh, studied under Habermas oh. and is now at the campus of Liberty University in the area of apologetics as a professor there, mm. uh, Dr. Ronnie Campbell. Uh, so it's really fun to see this intersection, you know, between all the things that, that we do and the people that we know and, and uh, really the, the small, tight-knit group that the church is. You know, yes. And that's what we try to do all the time. That's right. Fantastic. So we were discussing the issues uh, before we left here about stories that you had mm -hmm. uh, concerning uh, situations, opportunities, students, uh, involvements, and whatever direction you want to take this. Uh, tell us a story or two about uh, situations that you've been in uh, that uh, you've encountered at IUPUI and your work for Radio Christi. Well, one of my one of my favorite Radio Christie stories, uh, I actually can't take credit for it, but i got to share it with you because it's great, and then I, I can talk some more about uh, some of my personal stories. But we had a chapter director who was uh, trying to start RC on campus, and he wasn't finding any other groups that were willing to work with him, unfortunately. Uh, and so he said, in desperation, I turned to the atheist group on campus, and I went to them, and I said, will, will any of you come to my, my Roddy Christie meetings? I love it. And sure enough, they did. They started coming to that. And before you knew it, he'd converted. So many of them had converted that there was no longer an atheist club oh on campus anymore. They were all 
at RC wow. instead. So That's the power of God. pretty cool how Absolutely. yeah how God will work in, in those kinds of experiences. Uh, we're, I'm new, fairly new on campus. I've been uh, at IUPUI for a couple of years now. We started with one student. Um, I wasn't even sure if it was you know I was going to get started yet, and uh, she reached out and said, you know, I'm getting beat up in class uh, on some of this stuff. I want to stand for the faith, but I really don't know how to do it. Can we start? And uh, I said, okay, we'll try. So, uh, you know, the two of us just got started, and, and God just started growing it from there. And, and uh, so now we're, we're off and running. Andy, for um, young adults, millennials, college-age students, mm-hmm. maybe listening to the broadcast or will hear the podcast, define uh, Christian apologetics. Okay, Christian apologetics is really just defending the Christian faith. It's giving a reason for the hope that you have. Apologetics is is just a, a word that comes from the Greek apologia, and it means to give a defense. So you can be an apologist for anything. You can give a defense for anything, but we're giving a defense for the Christian faith. There's this, this idea that somehow... Uh, Christianity is all about faith and that reason gets set aside and that never the two shall meet and we want to break down that barrier. We, we think that uh, Christianity is a reasonable faith and that God expects us to use our minds. He expects, I mean, think about all the verses that talk about the, the importance of the mind. You know, come let us reason together, exactly. Isaiah 118, and be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your of mind, mind, Romans 12, too. And this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's right, and, and love the Lord with all of your mind, right? right. And so uh, there's a reason God places a heavy emphasis on the mind. In fact, that's what miracles really are in the Bible. They're God's apologetic. They're his way of saying you see what I'm telling you? This messenger is from me, and here's proof. Here's evidence. Right. You know, Moses is parting the Red Sea. You can listen to him. Right. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And so, I'm with him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. So you see this kind of uh, defense of, of the faith in various ways throughout the Bible, and, and we're just trying to take that and, uh, and run with it uh, as we're commanded to do. Let me ask you, so what, what are some of the obstacles? What are some of the barriers you run into uh, trying to accomplish your work for God on the campus and just in general? That's a good question. There are, I think there are two major worldviews on the campus that uh, are, are attacking Christianity. The, the first is the secular, very naturalism, atheism kind of worldview, that there are no miracles, everything is material, uh, there's no spiritual, that, that sort of philosophical mindset is infused in the curriculum. Even professors who don't necessarily believe that are, are often teaching it because it's in the curriculum. They don't even realize it sometimes that they're teaching that those philosophies are just embedded. And, and so that's one thing. And the other thing uh, is the pluralism. Uh, you know, this every, everybody's truth is, is fine and, and, and uh, that really comes out uh, in some of the uh, cultural, uh, social issues of our day. Um, you know that that preach tolerance and, and Christianity's intolerant, and, and you know they they can't be intolerant. That's not fair. It's not right to be intolerant, and uh, everybody's truth should be fine no matter what you're doing. <laughs> so those two uh, those two influences are very powerful on campus, and they have a great deal of intimidation and hushing power. And so many Christian students um, 
don't know what to do with it. They're afraid to talk about their faith because they're going to be seen as intolerant or stupid. And so uh, we want to help them uh, give answers. How diverse is the group, uh, the people who participate with you? How, how what the, the cultural makeup? Uh, is there a good approach to uh, uh, diversity? It's a pretty good mix. It's a pretty good mix in, in several different ways. Uh, you know, it's male, female, racially, uh, even uh, uh, believers and, and non-believers. Although we have more believers uh, than we do non-believers, but we, we do have uh, uh, non-Christians that come, and uh, they're welcome, and we let them present their questions and their, their views as well, and, and we ask questions of those things and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. We encourage them to, to challenge us. Uh, with the questions they have. Uh, the truth will set us free, right? So we don't have to be afraid to ask questions, to challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been tremendous. It's been a great, it's a great environment, safe. And we not only practice, we, we not only learn the truth, discuss the truth, but we practice how to share it. Mm-hmm. Because that is as difficult for most people as learning what the evidence is. Mm-hmm. Uh, is learning how can I, and, and gaining the control to present an argument um, and stay stay calm. The first time we ever had a discussion, a debate, we had an informal debate in a group, and I was not ready for the emotions mm-hmm. uh, on both sides. Uh, I just split the, the group in half and said, this group, you're going to be the atheists. This group, you're going to be the Christians. And pick arguments and go. And we had people who were pounding the desk. We had people pacing back and forth because they were too amped up. They couldn't sit down. And so uh, we had to s- slow it down a little bit and, and remember that we need to present the truth in gentleness and, and love and respect. And, that, and that, that brings me to something. I, I have um, uh, four children. They're all college age, mm-hmm. all of them, uh, and all but, um, well, one just graduated from college. Uh, one is still, the oldest one's still a student. Uh, my two youngest girls are a student at IU, Indiana State. And... Um, one of the on on their campuses, yes. they're they're Christians. They 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 want to display their faith. They're f- confronted with uh, political views on both sides and trying to stand as Christians. Or do you do you find that as a problem? Or do you find uh, it uh, present on your campus as you try to defend the faith that you're confronted? That part of defending the faith is defending expressions of Christianity, uh, untraditional ones, on on the campus. Because my my college kids are, they, they you find yeah. about everything on campus yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. What I, would you say to I, to young young people today trying to stand firm in their Christianity despite what the opinion of Christianity is in some, on campuses? Well, you know, I, I guess audience of one is, is the first thing that I would say. We have to look to Christ, right? Fix our eyes on Him, and and we can't be caught up in what does the world think of us? What is this person going to think of me if I'm mm-hmm. uh, following Christ? Uh, we need to focus on what does Christ think of, mm-hmm. and and that relationship needs to be primary. That's the first thing. I, but I, the second thing I would say is I think that it goes back to what we talked about before: love somebody enough uh, to hear them out dialogue with them and hopefully they'll uh, be able to respect you enough to hear your position as well 
uh, I, I think that that motive is absolutely huge. It's not about getting into an argument with somebody. It's not about winning a debate. We, we don't need to feel like we have to be geniuses. I, I'm certainly not. Uh, you don't have to be a genius to be an apologist. You just have to be willing to learn and willing to love somebody enough to share with them gently, um, use wisdom in it, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you'll know how to respond to each person, Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says. So uh, if you've got that heart of loving another person, and then just ask them questions. Questions is a great way to dialogue with people who are hostile. They, if, if they're hostile towards you, they've got something they want to tell you in most cases. So let's let it out there. Let's get it out there. But let's get them thinking about why they hold those views. So ask them about uh, why they've come to those conclusions. Ask them uh, what the implications are of their views. A lot of times people haven't thought about the implications of their views. You know, what does it mean for you? Or the origins. You, or the origins. That's exactly right. Right. So uh, questions are, is another piece of advice that I give uh, to students. So I heard you say a moment ago about the emotion on campus, and you gave an example of this in, in one of your uh, your groups <clears throat> as folks were emotionally charged. Uh, do you see this on the college campus as an indication of anything that um, is is difficult for you in doing in doing apologetics on the campus? Is this something that is uh, can be used as beneficial? Um, this is a real ongoing issue in our culture. I think everybody is so emotive. Yes. They're out there in front on social media. This is They're arguing or at least splaying themselves across the pages of every social media site. <laughs> do, how do you deal with that, and what has been your encounter with emotionalism on campus? I've been pretty, pretty lucky uh, at IUPUI. Uh, most of the people are not aggressive, hostile uh, towards towards one. They, they're willing to, to let you have your, your peace and your say. Uh, but when you do get the occasional person who's aggressive, and by the way, I'll say this uh, with some sadness, sometimes the aggression and the hostility is the believer, mm -hmm. is the Christian, yeah. not, not the unbeliever. Now, it, it happens both ways, but sometimes it's the believer who, who has a hard time controlling themselves because... What they cherish the most, their faith, is what's under attack, and that's very difficult for people sometimes. But that's why um, evangelism and apologetics is an art as much as anything. You have to learn uh, how, not just the arguments, you have to learn how to be able to to control yourself. And, that again, that goes back to just caring enough about that person. Um, so, uh, But I've been pretty lucky overall. And when it gets when the, the heat gets turned on, um, it's a matter of just backing off, loving that person, and then again, ask them a question or two just to get them thinking about their view. Sure. Yeah. So one of the ideas that keeps popping into my mind as I'm hearing you talk and Clyde asking questions is uh, Acts chapter 18 about Apollos. And something that strikes me as I'm thinking about this passage is this uh, idea that you had a couple of folks named, uh, named Priscilla and Aquila who came alongside Apollos. Now, Apollos was this big intellect of the day. I mean, this guy could, you know, fillet you intellectually and leave you lying in pieces on the sidewalk mm -hmm. in, in the book of Acts. 
But he was missing something, and it says uh, here in the scriptures in Acts 18 that they took him aside, Priscilla and Aquila did, and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And then he went out and did his thing again even more powerfully, it says, refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures Jesus was the Christ. So from all of that, I'm thinking about your supporters. Hmm. And I'm thinking about the people who come alongside you and come alongside all of us, honestly, Mm -hmm. you know, Clyde and myself and everybody who supports us, one of my supporters says, you know what, you do something I can't do. You know, if I met this kind of person, I would just walk away because I, it, they make me immediately angry. But you can do something because you, you don't respond that way. Mm-hmm. How, how do your supporters uh, respond to you and then support you through the ministry like Aquila and Priscilla did to Apollos? Oh, I'm really blessed. Uh, my supporters are fantastic. They 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 have a heart for uh, this country, for the the young people in this country, uh, for Christ, and they recognize the, the importance of the battle for the mind. And so they are willing to come alongside me uh, and pray for this ministry, for me, uh, for the students and the faculty uh, at IUPUI. Uh, and uh, a lot they make it possible for me to be on campus and, and do what I do but uh, they will uh, they will help some of them who've been trained in apologetics will help with arguments and have you considered this or that um, in a newsletter that I give out I uh, I try to train them as well in apologetics and so we can back and forth about different apologetic arguments and so uh, it's yeah, it's not a solo effort is it uh, in ministry it's a it's a it's a team a team effort and so uh, i've been truly blessed to have a great great team behind me Uh, i don't know about you clyde but you know when i think about the folks that are standing beside us behind us with us uh, i'm thinking about all of the people that contribute uh, Mm -hmm. and that's not just in financial terms but also in prayer that's right Uh, which is probably the main contribution yeah. yeah right so when you think about this from pastoral perspective and then link up with this apologetic emphasis that uh, Andy is bringing forward here today. Uh, how do you see uh, your church, your people, uh, your participation as a pastor, for instance, invested in the apologetic uh, needs of a community like Indianapolis? Yeah, you know, I, I was just sitting there thinking about uh, some of the statistics that uh, Andy brought uh, when, when he first began to speak about the the. Uh, the exodus of the of this, uh, the college age student, yeah. uh, and that it, it happens when they start to get knowledge, get, get, you know, get gain knowledge from various uh, sources. Uh, pastors, we we have to have uh, p- persons in our congregation and relationships with persons like like Andy, uh, because um, you know churches don't grow because of how well the pastor preaches. Mm-hmm. They they grow because of the relationships that the congregations have with each other mm-hmm. and with the people who are in, at their workplaces, at their schools. Uh, if, if college students are leaving uh, and then, and then, and when they do graduate, not going back to the church, that's a problem for a pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a problem for a pastor. You know, I'm, uh, I don't know. And I don't have all the answers. I do not. It's became uh, apparent to it's become apparent to me. I'm going to have to work with, uh, Andy, I'm going to have to work with people like Andy. Uh, again, I have college-age students. I have college-age students in my church, obviously, but I have college-age children. And so we, we've got to set up some bridges, uh, some pipelines 
that 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 we talk about Christian follow you know follow up. We've got to get stronger at that because apparently, apparently based on the statistics, the polls, and we have we have an expert here uh, talking about it. Apparently, young Christians are abandoning the faith that we've helped them understand, and and we 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 have to ask ourselves about our complicity, hmm. the church. Yeah. We have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we sending them off to school and then abandoning them? Are we not preparing them for the onslaught of, of epistemological sourcings that are going to happen? And just some questions, you know, we need, we need, we need to ask. And so, um, again, I, I think that's one of the things that, that God is using to make this, this show uh, great, in my view, because we are getting exposed to people who are bringing up some ideas, some things we know about, but they're categorizing them in ways to help us think and get back to what the show is about. What can we do as as cultures to work together uh, to, to just to keep the main thing the main thing? Yeah. So, yeah. If I if I can just follow up on that really sure. quick, I'm glad you said what you, what you raised a great point. Why are students walking away? Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 the answer to that when you ask them is intellectual skepticism and doubt about the faith. So. Uh, one of the things, Rashio Christie is first and foremost an apologetics ministry. We're on campuses because apologetics is needed on campuses, but we're not just on college campuses. We uh, have a high school uh, college prep ministry. We go to churches and train in churches and that kind of thing, and we want to help churches in that regard. And so uh, I wanted to mention that because you know, we'll go and teach in Sunday schools and, and workshops right. and that sort of thing uh, because... We are sending them off in, in large part uh, with uh, happy, warm feelings about right. Christ, but they don't have the intellectual backing to know, yeah, yeah wait a minute, I, I can too. actually trust the Bible. It's, it's historically reliable, you know, right. and, and, that sort of, and that's, that's a, a big piece that a lot of students are missing. And are we too fundamental in our approach? Because you know, we, often, we don't want to be too heavy on the kids. It's been said, you know, we don't want. But, but hey, you say that if you want, but if he's 17, Next year, she or he is going to be on a campus, and they are going to be introduced to atheism. Right, right. The, the, the moment they step on the campus, they are going to be their mind is going to be attacked indirectly, because and that's what a college is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to challenge what you already know, mm -hmm. so that it can expand your thinking. Yes. That's right. So the college, you know, religion. Even of course we're all Christians, but even the atheists, people have a right to teach their perspective of, and and so and universities should explain to these new students there are other schools of thought about religion, right? And if we don't prepare them, what what what's that say about the body of Christ? This comes yeah. back, I think, to some degree coming back to both of your comments here about the church the necessity of catechizing young people. Mm -hmm. And by catechism, I don't mean, you know, some assent to uh, some paragraph someplace. I mean actually going through and learning, for instance, the Shorter Catechism, right. the Westminster Confession, for instance. I remember when my, my children were 12, I wrote a catechism. Uh, and I we went through it. We actually did it in front of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, people came on a Sunday afternoon because they'd never heard of such a thing before. 
you know, mm-hmm. but that just went to show that there was such a need for this, the doctrinal soundness sure. of, uh, that should be coming out of the church. Right. So let's, let's uh, kind of connect what we're talking about concerning apologetics to doctrine <clears throat> and specifically address the issue of how, what is the importance of knowing just not what you believe, but why, and those two things coming together. So the what and the why of faith and how those two things come together. Yeah, so the, the importance of knowing why is, uh, you know, if, if you don't have a reason for your faith, then your faith is reasonless. You know, <laughs> it's unreasonable. What, who wants that? And especially when you're, you're, you're being taught all these other reasons to believe against it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have to, it's just, it's, it's logical. Uh, uh, God expects you to use your mind, as we talked about. And so, uh, it's important uh, to be able to know why you believe, A, because it's logical, it's reasonable, uh, also because um, the faith is under attack, as we've been talking about from so many different ways, and God commands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good reason, too. God commands that you be able to give a defense for the hope that you have. Christianity should appear reasonable to other people when they ask you, why do you believe? So the very reason why Dr. Habermas is coming is he's connecting doctrine to apologetics. Here is this great event, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and we're connecting that to the reasonableness of Christianity and why we can say historicity is important in this regard. This was a space-time event. This was something that actually happened. We need to defend that. Yeah, and that's an anchor, too, for... And that just has a real practical application, right, in our lives. It's not just that we have some intellectual knowledge that, you know, Jesus died and rose from the dead, but what does that mean for me mm-hmm. when I go through a terrible event in my life, when uh, I'm struggling, when someone I love uh, hurts me or, 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 or dies or, or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I can go back to what's the truth. Right. <laughs> not what are my feelings, not what are my emotions right now, What's true? Well, what's true is this really happened. You know, you can go back to the intellectual foundation uh, to help ground you so that uh, you can stay anchored. You and know, th- that's so true, Andy. You, you, you're, well, your wealth of uh, knowledge and information and your ministry is great. I, I've said on this show before, and I, st- I still believe, this is my opinion, uh, that people don't in the world they don't stay away from Christianity by and large because they don't believe the Bible. Mm. They stay away because they don't believe people. Mm. They don't believe how people live. Yeah. They, they, they don't, they don't see a connect Yeah. Um, more often than not with what we say that the Bible is telling us and how they watch us live. Yeah. Because uh, if, if and we know according to Jesus, if we let our light so shine among men and they see our good works, they will glorify the Father which is in heaven. So more often than not, uh, I'm of the view of that, that the Bible often doesn't get a chance because it, it some 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 person's conduct has got in the way who's wearing a Christian flag or cross or necklace and saying that they are doing something which has terrible fruit in terms of behavior in front of them. Uh, but you know, yeah. get, getting back to something else, I think is important. I think I think at the core of um, many young people's dilemma is they don't know doctrine. Right. They don't know systematic theology. Right. Because even with not knowing Tortillum or or you know some of their early fathers, you know, if if they could if they 
could, could connect the purpose of the Ten Commandments uh, with the purpose of grace and what Jesus' statement meant actually means relative to what I just said from uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. He came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. If they could just understand that. You know, we, we have a lot of, uh, for example, young Christians today who, who, who still have someone beating into them, you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. You, if, you, if you're going to really be a person of God and Christian, you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. There's no way they can keep the Ten Commandments. That's right. The Ten Commandments wasn't given for them to keep it. You know, but some someone has to explain that to them. Right. And so uh, I'm saying all that to say I think that one of the major missing links is the is doctrine, systematic theology, and uh, you know it's 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 huge. I think uh, the last thing I really want to say about that is I, I think today. You know, we need to even consider rethinking some of our faith confessions uh, in terms of denominations, the Hampshire Declaration of Faith, and and all of these. You know, the Articles of the Christian Faith. We need to for and 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 examine them for the verbiage for this age mm -hmm. to not to change one iota. I, the, the Articles of the 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 New Hampshire of Faith, in my opinion. Declaration of Faith, for example, are biblical. The way they're set up in my church, they're there, and then the scriptures they come from are underneath. Right. But is the verbiage commensurate? Because there's some things we've been faced with today. There's no new sin. There's certainly new expressions of it. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, and, your, and, your emphasis on the words that we choose are, are huge. Yeah. Do you yeah. find that, Andy, on campus, that uh, <clears throat> the issue of words that people choose create some kind of an emotional kickback um, as it relates to apologetics? Well, no doubt, right? I mean, no doubt about it. And that's why uh, as much as we're in, encouraged to be apologists in the Bible, we're, we're encouraged to be a certain kind of apologist, mm -hmm. right? A loving warrior, uh, not just the warrior who's bold, uh, but the one who's loving. It, there's a trap that apologists can fall into, and anybody who's doing evangelism, uh, and and that is, you can either be too aggressive or you can be too passive. It's it's sort of a tightrope you have to walk, right? You can come across as too aggressive, and you you push people away. Right. Um, we don't want to drive people away; we want to drive them to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can be too passive as well. Uh, for some people, that's easy, and and you end up not saying enough, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you're right. The kinds of words we use, gentleness and respect, First Peter three fifteen, or Second uh, Timothy two twenty five, about uh, correcting and and uh, gentleness, that sort of thing, critical, critical to the discussion. We've just got a couple minutes left, and uh, why don't we just have you highlight again the uh, the times and the places, the major times and places that Dr. Habermas will be here in Indianapolis. And then, uh, you know, kind of summarize maybe in 30 seconds after you give out that information, um, what you would like to leave people with here at the end of our show today. Okay, so Dr. Habermas, again, will be at East 91st Street Christian Church, church uh, tonight. That's at 630, and he'll be speaking on the cure for emotional doubt. Uh, you can go to their website, too, for more information, which is uh, east91streetorg he will also be there on Sunday uh, preaching at both services. They have a, an 845 service and also a 1005 service. So you can catch him there talking about the resurrection. That's the best place uh, to go if you're not on campus. Uh, if you're connected with IUPUI, then uh, he will be at IUPUI on Thursday. 
and uh, he'll be giving uh, three three discussions there, uh, starting at 2:30 or 2:45 rather uh, in the campus center, and then the main presentation is in the evening at 7:30 in the Heron Building, and then he'll also be at Purdue on Friday, uh, giving a couple of uh, presentations there. He'll be uh, in the uh, at two o'clock. He'll be in the Memorial Union Building, and then he'll have an evening uh, presentation there as well uh, at 6:30. So uh, check out Dr. Hammer as you can. Um, I guess the last thing I would say uh, is that uh, apologetics uh, is not a solo mission. Um, mm. It's very easy to for the issue to become in your own mind about you. What am I going to say to this person? How am I going to defend the faith? How am I going to do this? No, it, you just present the truth and remember who's on your side. This is an evangelism as well. Uh, you're not converting people. The Holy Spirit is the one who's converting people. So let him work. Remember, we've got the best co-labor, the best worker we could possibly have. The God of the universe is on our side, is working through us. We're not doing it. He's just working through us. So let him work in this. Trust in him and just share and and uh, trust God. Yeah. Andy Folan from Ratio Christi with us here today. Fantastic. Clyde, Clyde, as always, it's good to be with you, my brother. My friend, same here. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. For those of you who are hearing us live, for those of you who are going to pick us up later on the podcast, uh, that will be up later on today or early tomorrow morning. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site at our great facility here at Collaborate uh, 317. Next week, we have an opportunity to hear from Shaq. No, not that Shaq. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Kashida Taylor Shaq, and she is going to be talking about her ministry uh, with uh, young women and moms, uh, helping them from day to day with their lives, the things that they have to deal with uh, in life. And we'll look forward to being back with you then. Until then, have a great week. <laughs>